Good afternoon. Yeah, we're doing the presentation here today because um, yeah, to, to report to yourselves as shareholders uh, on the period from uh, so far this financial year, from June last year, for WAM Capital, WAM Microcap, WAM Research and WAM Active. And just giving you a bit of an idea, uh, a thumbnail sketch of the interim results. Um, we've also you know, got the, the, other, the, the really the um, sort of the brains of these groups, uh, you know, the, 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 sort of the, the people that are doing all the hard work and delivering these returns, you know, led by um, Oscar Oberg, uh, Tobias Yao um, and Sam Kosh will be here to um, take any questions and give you a bit of an idea of um, you know, what, they're, what they're looking at uh, in, the, in the year ahead. So, look, thank you very much for ringing in. This is your company, uh, and, and we can only do what we enjoy doing because you give us the opportunity to do, to do that. Uh, in terms of looking at the, the various companies, you know, from the largest um, you know, to the smallest, you know, Wham Capital had a, uh, you know, a, a very, a very probably, I'd say, eventful year. Not only was there a very solid performance, and as I said, undertaken by Oscar, you know, Tobias, Sam um, and Sean on the portfolio management and research side. Uh, but in terms of the underlying performance of the portfolio, uh, it was up a little over you know, 22%, and that was a strong uh, outperformance um, over the, you know, the, the six-month period. In terms of the interim result, it was good. Um, you know, we're able to maintain that uh, at seven and three quarter cents, and that's fully franked. So it's giving, you know, shareholders quite a high annualised return. Uh, obviously, we need to continue to perform to continue to deliver those, you know, the, those type of returns to shareholders. Also, um, the not only the performance of the portfolio was solid, but the total shareholder return, and that's the movement in the share price uh, and the dividends was very solid for the six-month period to December, and that was uh, a little over 26%. Um, obviously, you know, depending on if the shares trade at a premium or discount, that impacts on the uh, total shareholder return. It was very active for WAM Capital. There were a number of takeovers um, over that six-month period, and that was just because of opportunities presenting themselves. The, um, with um, concentrated leaders, there was a takeover there. Um, also, Contango Income Generator, and more recently, a, a takeover bid we've announced, um, and, and which actually opens officially today from Mason. All those bids... Uh, earnings, sorry, NTA accretive for shareholders. And just to give you a bit of flavour, um, with Contango, you know, we're in the process of exiting our position there uh, and, and we'll force shareholders, you know, it, it looks like we'll make uh, a little under $11 million. Um, with concentrated leaders, we're still in the process of uh, receiving acceptances there, but it looks like um, you know, we're close to, you know, we've made close to $8 million for shareholders. Uh, with a, a Mason, it's a cracking deal for WAM Capital shareholders. I think it's a cracking deal for the Mason shareholders as well. Uh, it gives them an opportunity to invest in WAM Capital at a very, a, a very, um, a very good price. Uh, and, and for WAM Capital shareholders, what do they get? A Mason, even though people think of it as a, a a telco, an operating company, uh, they've sold all their businesses. They're effectively a cash box. Um, Wham Capital, we're using uh, Wham Capital script, which is trading at a premium. And by issuing that script at a premium, we'll get an annualised return uh, as we get the money back from a Mason of close to around the 12% per annum. So that's obviously significantly better than what we could get with our cash at the moment. Uh, and also, for every dollar of um, the people accept into the takeover bid, then effectively 
um, Wham Capital shareholders for every dollar get thirty-seven point one cents of uh, of of franking that can be paid. Well, the ability to get thirty-seven point one cents of fully franked dividend paid back to them. So, to me, it's just a a cracking deal. Another a very good deal for shareholders, and that's why we're taking these uh, you know, opportunities uh, as they present themselves. In terms of just going through the other entities, where Microcap has had a, a stunning result, and, and I can't, you know, thank you know the team that I introduced earlier for all the hard work um, in in that area. You know, really a solid result for the six month period, up thirty six point four percent. That was the actual uh, portfolio, uh, and. Um, in terms of, you know, which led to a nearly a $70 million uh, pre-tax profit that allowed the dividend, which we announced earlier today, to be increased to $0.04 cent fully, fully, four cents fully franked. We've got a lot of um, profit reserve up our sleeve there. So, you know, that the full year, the annual dividend is well and truly covered for the next, you know, four-plus years. Uh, and the total share of return for that six-month period, you know, to June, because the share price had, was trading at a bit of a discount and then it's gone to a premium, uh, it was actually over 60% for that six-month period. The uh, WAM research, again, we've announced, you know, a very solid result there. The portfolio, that's this morning, the portfolio up uh, a little over 27% leading to a pre-tax profit of about 44 mil, a little over that, um, allowed us to fractionally increase our dividend. We're already paying a a very high fully franked dividend here. So the board thought just a fractional increase um, because we've nearly got four years of profit reserve um, up our sleeve. uh, And the total shelter return, because WAM Research is trading at a very high premium NTA, um, the total shelter return was uh, a, a little under 22% uh, for that six-month period. WAM Active, you know, the fourth of the LICs that we're going to be talking about today and, and opened up for any questions, um, yeah, had a solid six-month period. You know, the portfolio is up a little over 18% over that period. Yeah, obviously, WAM Active is a lot smaller than all the others, you know, a little over $50 million. So that led to a, a pre-tax profit of about um, $6 million. The interim dividend was maintained. Um, at the, the same interim dividend was paid 12 months ago, uh, and that really was a function of um, the fact that we've just got you know, two years' profit reserve up our sleeve and, and – uh, as the profit reserve grows, assuming we can perform going forward, you know, then um, you know, then the plan will be to, you know, if we can gently increase that dividend over time. Um, that's a little bit of a summary. You know, there's there's a lot of information there. Um, some of those results have only been announced this morning. So as people digest it, you know, please, when we get the Q&A later on today, come back to us or feel free to ring the office or email us. Um, you know, we're very open to communicate with you. As, as I mentioned earlier, you, know, you guys own the company. You know, so we're very, um, you know, we're here because um, of you guys allowing us to um, do what we really enjoy doing. And just on that, um, I wouldn't mind just throwing to Oscar, who's the lead PM for um, those four companies uh, I mentioned, uh, and and the you know, the mid, mid and small cap or undervalued growth company strategy. And as you know, what we're trying to do, we're trying to buy undervalued growth companies when we can see a catalyst is going to change the valuation. Otherwise, yeah, we'll we'll sit in cash, and that's trying to get you the maximum return for taking the minimum amount of risk. But let me let me now throw to Oscar, who will just um, you know take us through sort of what's happened in the last six months, and then maybe. Yeah, you can take us back and then possibly, Oscar, I don't know how, how clear your crystal ball is, um, to take us forward you know, for the next six months or, or what you're focusing on and what you're seeing. Uh, so now I'd like to pass you over to Oscar. Thank you. 
Yeah, thanks, Jeff, and good afternoon, everyone. Well, look, we started the, the half very well, actually, and we actually had the best uh, reporting season I think we've had in the last 20 years, and that was largely driven by sectors such as discretionary retail and also the e-commerce sector, with companies such as Temple and Webstar, Redbubble and Adairs performing very strongly as we, as we saw the structural shift to online and also a redirection of uh, consumer budgets from international tourism into the retail sector. Then through September and October, we began selling these companies. And this was largely due, due to anticipation that we thought that the vaccine announcement was coming very soon. It would actually uh, be a good one. Now, as is always the case in these situations, uh, you know, your gut feel is generally right, but of course we didn't sell enough. <laughs> and when the the uh, vaccine announcement came on the no in early November, it was a lot better than what we had thought. So clearly the efficacy levels of the Pfizer vaccine and for these reasons, we saw a number of the stay-at-home beneficiaries in sectors such as retail, healthcare and agriculture underperform uh, some of the, the more value and cheaper stocks in the market in sectors such as resources and financials. And these were companies that we largely didn't own in the portfolio. So it was a tough month for us uh, in November. Now, despite the fact that value companies have performed very strongly over the last few months, I think it's worth pointing out that the difference or the valuation gap between value and growth is still the highest it's been in the last 50 years. So we do actually think this trend towards value and cyclical companies will continue over the coming months and as we um, over, over this year as well. So I guess the team's been really busy over the last few months, really re repositioning the portfolio uh, into, into reporting season. And Tobias will give you sort of a, a summary of how, how we're thinking of things going into 2021, but we are very feeling very bullish around the market. Um, our cash is, 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 is quite low relative to history. We're sitting at around 6.5%. That's after you exclude the acquisitions or the takeovers that we're doing for CLF and CIE. But it's actually worth pointing out that our liquidity is very, very high. And we've um, done that on purpose. We're investing in much larger companies than what we used to, given the volatility that we're seeing in the market. So if things do weaken, um, as we saw last year with coronavirus through February, March, uh, we can liquidate the portfolio and we can actually um, sell around 80% of the portfolio within 10 days if we need to. So, yeah, towards the, at the end of January, look, very happy with how the, the, the portfolio is going. We're outperforming uh, in WAM Capital by just over, around 7%. Um, in WAM Microcap, it's just a tad over 19%, but we're certainly not resting on our laurels. Things can change pretty quickly in this market, as we've seen, but um, look, very happy with how the team's going. And look, the last thing I'll say as well as um, we've made a promotion uh, through this period. So Cooper Rogers, who was our equities dealer, has been promoted to senior equities deal dealer. And this is a reflection of Cooper's performance um, or ever since he started really with us about four years ago, but in particular over the last 12 months. And I think it's fair to say, Jeff, you know, it's probably some of the most turbulent times we've seen in, in, the, in the share market, um, but certainly in our careers. And I think Cooper as our dealer has done a fantastic job and um, supporting Cooper is um, we've made a new hire, uh, Will Thompson, um, from another fund. Uh, Will comes on as an assistant dealer and, and analyst assisting assisting the wider team. So very happy um, with firstly Cooper's promotion and Will coming into the team. But, look, I'll leave it at that. Um, I guess while I'm speaking, I'd like to thank everyone online and also all our shareholders for their support um, over, over the periods. We really appreciate it. But I'll hand it back over to you, Jeff, and we'll get on to how we're seeing things and some interesting stocks. Look, thank you very much, Oscar. And um, look, you know, on behalf of all shareholders, and obviously uh, I'm a shareholder of those entities, look, you know, well done, guys. Um, you know, great job. The, um, in terms of, and just in terms of, you know, looking forward, you know, where are you seeing, where do you see the opportunities? Like how, I know it's, very, it's, it's a very difficult you know, question. Um, uh, the 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 tough thing about being in funds management, you, you know, your job is to identify trends, you know, create opportunities, and, and as as we talked about earlier, buy those undervalued growth companies. You now, wh where what areas do you think um, you know, we'll be seeing them in the, over the next twelve months? Yeah, thanks, Jeff, and good afternoon, everyone. Look, we've um, positioned our portfolios to take advantage of three themes which we believe will outperform over the next uh, six to 12 months. The first theme is around companies exposed to the pickup and construction activity in sectors such as building materials, 
civil engineering and mining services. So if you look at the building materials sector first, um, the record low interest rates, uh, in addition to the accommodative policies such as the Home Builders Grant, um, we believe will drive new housing starts. Um, to put it into context, the 60,000 Home Builders Grant is equivalent to around half, six months of new housing starts in Australia. We've actually seen um, some of the stats coming through now with the latest ABS stats showing it's a 130% increase in terms of loans uh, for new housing construction. So uh, companies exposed in the building materials sector that we have in the portfolios include Fletcher Building, CSR, Brickworks, and the Australian Finance Group, which is a mortgage aggregator. Moving to civil engineering, in over the next four to five years, there's an unprecedented amount of infrastructure spending by both federal and state governments, which will flow through to suppliers and contractors. So our exposure there includes Downer, a mass group, which is a recent IPO, and Seven Group, which has the Colts Hire division. And finally, in mining services, um, the elevator commodity prices, uh, particularly with iron ore and gold, will drive uh, a pickup in mining activities. Um, greenfield, brownfield projects will come online. And in terms of our mining uh, mining services exposure, we have Parenti, uh, Index, and in the WAM microcap fund, um, MACA. The other theme which we really like um, is what we believe to going to be the outperformance of companies exposed to the UK. Now, the United Kingdom has been one of the most COVID-impacted countries. I think the latest that I saw is 18% of the population has had COVID. Um, so companies that's had operations in the UK have, have been disrupted and have underperformed. Our view is given the fact that the UK now has one of the most aggressive vaccine rollout plans with over 10% of its population um, already receiving a dose of vaccine. Um, in fact, the government wants to vaccinate 45% of its population by March. Um, and if you couple that with very accommodative fiscal and monetary policies, um, and, and we've finally got a resolution around Brexit, we believe many of these UK-exposed companies will rebound out of COVID a lot faster. So companies we have in the portfolio includes Virgin Money UK, uh, Link Administration, um, and Ramsey uh, Healthcare. And finally, the last theme which we like is around companies that's poised to make acquisitions. So typically, we like companies with either a net cash balance sheet or quite a lot of debt headrooms. You know, we believe right now is the perfect time for these companies to leapfrog their competitors through acquisitions um, and, and supercharge their earnings growth. Companies we have include uh, Infomedia, um, Viva Leisure and Helios, which is the old primary healthcare um, but to summarize, you know, these are the three themes we're playing and, and to what Oscar was saying earlier, you know, we think the value names and the cyclical names will outperform the growth names um, given the much lower uh, expectations in the market. Thanks, Thanks uh, Tobias. You know, we, we appreciate that. And, and in terms of, so that's, you know, you sort of, you, you, what the areas you're focusing on, if you want to drill down a bit further, like, are there any particular stocks? I know when investors come to our six monthly presentation, they, you know, in their little show bag, they usually want to get an idea of what's going to happen to the market uh, and then one or two stocks they should follow or potentially buy. Now, I know we can't give advice, and uh, this is uh, any advice we give is general, I think, and not specific. Um, but yeah, are there any any specific stocks that you guys would like you know, are confident enough to mention? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Jeff. Um, it, our first high conviction stock idea is Fletcher Building. It's ticker FBU. Fletcher Building manufactures building products such as cement, but it also builds homes, commercial buildings, and infrastructure. Now, Fletcher Building has been plagued by a number of issues over the last couple of years. Margin pressures in Australia, but also legacy construction contract issues in New Zealand. As a result, it's not well held or liked by the institutional community, and that's where we see the opportunity. The catalyst for us to invest in Fletcher Building was the belief that analyst estimates are 10 to 15% too low and should increase over time. Fletcher Building has done an incredible job at taking cost out of the business. They're also benefiting from an increasing housing market, as Tobias mentioned earlier. And in our belief, 
we should see supercharged earnings growth as a result over the short to medium term. Now, Fletcher Building is at a 30% discount to its Australian-listed peers. We believe that valuation gap should close over time as long as they continue to deliver sustainable growth and margin improvement. Yeah, Tobias, have you got anything up your sleeve or, or yeah. Austin? So there's another mid-cap one. So my high conviction pick is Link Administration. It's a uh, super administ uh, superannuation administration business. It's really twofold uh, reasons why we like this business. Firstly, it's the core business, which has uh, faced headwinds from, from both uh, a regulatory perspective and COVID more recently. You know, we think that's coming to an end. So growth will come back over the next two to three years. On the other hand, we really we feel like the PEXA business, which they own 44%, is currently undervalued by the market. Now, PEXA is the electronic land title transfer company with over 80% market share in Australia. Currently, we believe their 44% is being valued by the market at around $500 million. It's on their balance sheet at $700 million, and we believe uh, they could sell this business or partially sell or either demerge de this business for over a billion dollars. So if you put the two together, you know, we think there's at least a 30% upside to, to the share price of Link Administration over the next six months. All right, I've got, I've got two because unfortunately, Sean uh, isn't with us today because he's got a stomach bug. Um, we've got a no sniffles policy at the office, so he can't, can't be in here. But I'll give you, I've got, I've, got, I've got some two, what I call spicier ones. Uh, first one is Ingham's Chicken, which is quite topical at the moment, given what we've seen overseas uh, with GameStop and and what's been happening with the hedge funds and, and shorters alike, because this Ingham's Chicken is the largest uh, chicken processor in Australia, but it's also one of the most heavily shorted stocks in Australia. It's got about 10% of its register short. It's the third most shorted stock in the ASX. Now, that wasn't the reason, that wasn't the reason why we bought it initially. Um, why we bought it initially was that um, we did a whole heap of industry feedback over the last six months. And we, um, all the feedback has been telling us that volumes of uh, or demand for chicken is actually increasing very, very strongly. And that's largely because red meat has become so expensive. So you might notice that when you, when you go to your local supermarket. And then the other benefit that we see with Ingham's is um, I think we've talked previously about Grain Corp and Elders um, on these calls. And as we've seen, there's been a record crop in Australia. So when we're going to see a whole um, huge amount of volume of grain, that will bring feed costs down. So that's going to benefit Ingham. So we think Ingham's is going to um, generate quite substantial earnings upgrades over the next 12 months. And the fact that it's shorted as well is a, is a nice little bonus too. So we um, think there's about 30% upside in that one, Jeff. And I might give one more. This is a good one. This is in WAM Capital and WAM Microcap. Seven West Media is the, uh, the ticker is SWM. Um, so quite bullish on this one. Uh, so Seven West Media, is, as I'm sure the listeners will know, is, is the owner of uh, Seven Network, the largest newspaper in uh, Western Australia, and also owns production studios that does Home and Away and the like. So I only stop for three catalysts. The first one is that Seven West has a new CEO, James Warburton, who was previously CEO of APN Outdoor, which we actually made a lot of money out of because they got taken over by um, the largest outdoor media player in the world. So we, quite rate, we rate James quite highly. Second reason is they took out a lot of costs at the worst of COVID back in, in April and May. And what we've seen since then is that TV advertising budgets have improved quite a lot. And that's emphasised by its competitor, Channel 9, upgrading earnings over the last uh, few months. And then lastly, um, is Seven West has, a, has, a, has too much leverage on their balance sheet. So they're looking to make um, asset sales or divestments. And the first one that they're looking to do is Airtasker, which is looking to, it was in the press today, should IPO in the next couple of months. But if we put that all together, the most attractive part of Seven West Media is its valuation. It's currently trading on a price earnings multiple of seven times, and that compares to Nine Network, which is trading on a price earnings multiple of 19 times. So look, if we get this one right, we do see considerable upside here. No, well, let's, let's, hey, let's, let's hope, as, as all shareholders are saying, let's hope you get them all right. <laughs> I think we got three out of four right last time. <laughs> uh, well done. We won badly wrong. Well. <laughs> no, thanks, thanks, guys. Um, thanks for that. And look, what, why don't we now go over to James McNamara, our head of our, our corporate affairs, um, who will just take us through any questions, you know, the questions that have been sent in and any, any questions that 
um, shareholders would like to ask us now. Uh, James, will we flip over to you now? Thank you. Thanks, Jeff, and, and thanks, guys. So a good place to start is the question from Phil, who's asked if we can cover off on the companies that were listed last time. So to refresh memories, that's Helios, Infomedia, C-Link, Tyro, Bega, AMA Group, and the buy now, pay later names. So if you could just provide an update on those. Uh, Oscar, do you want to kick that off? All right. Um, you know, I think I made a, a joke before saying that we, we got, we got I think, three out of the four uh, right, but unfortunately we got one of them badly wrong. Um, but I'll quickly touch on each of those. So firstly, Helios, um, uh, twice touched on it uh, briefly as well before the old primary health care. Very positive on this on this name. Um, the balance sheet is, is very strong. It's actually benefiting from a whole heap of the COVID testing that it's undertaking uh, across Australia at the moment. So we actually think there's room for this business to make acquisitions going forward. Um, the second one was C-Link. Infomedia. Oh, Infomedia. Infomedia. So um, uh, we think the outlook for Infomedia has gotten a lot stronger um, over the last few months. Um, the issues that they had previously was getting access to um, uh, in, in the United States and Europe uh, to selling new work. We think this has been um, solved and we actually see a very strong balance sheet uh, for, for acquisitions going forward. Uh, C-Link, uh, we like this company. Um, uh, I think it's misunderstood by the market. It's got a very defensive bus business. Um, it's come off, it's, it's done very well, but it's come off in the last couple of months because of its tourism business. Uh, we actually think um, it's much more of an interstate business. So it runs ferries and, and buses and so forth. Um, but we think this will have a it will have a very strong result. Unfortunately, we got Tyro wrong. Um, one of the joys of funds management, particularly investing in small caps, is random things can happen. And unfortunately, they never had an issue in 18 years. And um, I think it was around 10% of their terminals. Um, this is the tap and go terminals that you use for FPOS um, broke down. Um, and this was in early January. So we've we've sold out of of Tyro since then. Um, next one was Bega, um, very positive on this name. It's made an, e an earnings accretive acquisition um, and also the commodity prices around uh, skim milk um, has actually improved for the business. So we actually see more synergies come through from the acquisition as well. So we like that one. Um, AMA, never short of an issue, AMA. Um, and we've seen some issues in the press um, around, their, around their CEO um, who's having a bit of a bust up with the board. Um, look, it, it was a small position. We've actually exited um, AMA. And then maybe, do you want to touch on buy now, pay later? Yeah, so the buy now, pay later names, Afterpay, Cezo and Layby, we still have in the portfolios. Um, there's obviously quite a few more other buy now, pay later names. They've generally done um, pretty well given the growth has been maintained over the last few months. Um, and we continue to hold these names in the current uh, portfolios. And the next question is from Mark, and he, he's interested in, given the, the elevated um, status of the, of the market, what the what the price set to earnings uh, across the portfolio is. So, yeah, I think the question's around the, the, the price to earnings ratio. Now, I, I thought before, yeah, it might be a good idea to explain a price to earnings ratio because I can imagine a number of our shareholders get frustrated when we talk around acronyms like PEs and EV, EBITDA and so forth. So basically a, a price earnings ratio is what we always look um, at, at as fund managers. Effectively, it, we look at um, the share price and divided by the net profit after tax per share. And we're looking at the net profit after tax per share in the next 12 months. So as an example, if we see a price earnings um, multiple uh, ratio of, say, 10 times earnings, um, but this business is growing at 20 that's a, that's a, that's a good business for us. Now, if we look at our current portfolio at, at the moment, I'm just referring here to WAM Capital. Uh, it's trading at around 20 times on a price to earnings ratio. Now, that would be expensive um, compared to history. Now, it's compa I'm comparing that to the ASX small industrials, which is the the type of companies that we invest in, and that's currently trading at 23 times earnings. So, we are um, cheaper than what 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 the the small cap companies that we invest in or our peers. And I would say, why is that? Um, COVID has depressed earnings across a lot of companies um, that we, we see. So as an example, we own shares in, say, corporate travel or a flight centre. Now, these businesses uh, are losing money this year. 
um, and won't be profitable for some time given what we're seeing with border closures and international travel. So the, the share market is looking forward for companies like that. So that's why we're seeing um, price earnings multiple ratios that, that are quite high uh, at the moment. So, yeah, that, that'd be my answer, James. That's great. Thanks very much. Um, I'll, just, I'll stay with you, um, Oscar. From Ken, we've got a question on what, what's the road ahead for Australia. So I suppose there, what's your view on the Australian economy looking forward? Yeah, um, thanks for the question, Ken. Yeah, bullish um, is my answer. I think um, iron ore prices, um, you know, well, you know, over $150 a tonne, you know, it's just a huge boost to the Australian economy. And then couple that as Tobias and Sam have been talking about, we've got a very buoyant housing market um, as well, which should be a good environment for the banks. Um, I think what has taken us by surprise probably since March or and, and April when the worst of coronavirus occurred is just how much spare cash there is around from, from consumers alike. Um, there was a lot of money that was spent on international travel and that is all ploughing into the economy. So I think once our view is, is that we get the vaccine rolled out, borders are no longer closed at some point, hopefully later in the year. I think it's going to be a very positive environment for the Australian economy and um, you know, it's, it's great to see that given where we were almost 12 months ago. That's great. Thank you very much, Oscar. In the, in the last briefing, we also covered off some of the pre-IPO opportunities you've been seeing and participating in through the Wear Microcap LIC. Can you give an update on some of those and, and perhaps the, the outlook for that segment as well? Yeah, sure. I'll give you an update on uh, on the stocks, and then I'll, I'll pass it on to Tobias to sort of talk about what we're seeing in the pre-IPO market. But yeah, at the time when we raised um, the money for Wear Microcap back in July, um, a, you know, a big portion of of what we were raising the money for was the, the for pre-IPO opportunities. And I think so far we've had two that have come to market. The first one was Layby, which is a buy now pay later provider. It's done very very well. I think it's up about forty percent um, since we invested it. In it. And then there's Sovereign Cloud, which listed just before Christmas, um, which I think is is up around 60 or 70% or so. So um, we have uh, two other um, uh, companies in the portfolio. Uh, one is uh, basically a company that's sort of creating a trading platform for, for carbon credits. And the other is a company that's very similar to Temple and Webster, which we know very well. But I'll pass over to Tobias to talk about sort of what we're seeing in the pre-IPO market at the moment. Yeah, we've actually seen quite a lot of opportunities come through to us. And I think we've spoken about this in the past. We are extremely selective in terms of the companies we're backing in the pre-IPO space. These companies are ones we intend, you know, if they deliver on their targets to to participate in, in the IPO where um, when there's a larger liquidity event. Um, so in terms of how those pre-IPO deals are structured. Typically, there is quite a bit of downside protection um, and, and given many of those deals on the form of convertible bonds, um, which effectively gives, gives us the opportunity to participate um, in, in these companies at a discount to, to the eventual IPO. So we do get um, a, a nice uplift if, if they do go through to the IPO. But otherwise, there's quite a lot of things coming through um, and we're just assessing um, all of these opportunities individually. I think just I might add as well. One of the um, like for instance, last week we caught up with a number of the um, with two guys from a private equity fund that invests in WMA. Um, so we've actually been getting a lot of intel with private companies with Dania and, and the alternatives fund. So we do see a real opportunity to you know, get um, greater access to information and perhaps future deals. Um, that are in the pipeline through through the, the alternatives fund, which is fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, and just just uh, so everyone's uh, on just on that, um, you know, we've taken over the management of an entity which has you know, two hundred ten million of assets. It's you know, Wham you know, Alternative Asset Fund, and and Danya, who's the uh, portfolio manager there, looks at uh, invests in. Private equity, uh, unlisted uh, opportunities, and um, yeah, like effectively each time we've sort of added another interesting area, we've tended to do it so it adds value to the rest of the business. And yeah, you know, it's interesting already, as Oscar said, you know, we're getting some good value out of that. Thanks, Jeff. 
we'll start with you. Some, some, uh, a few shareholders have actually asked if, if WAM active is too small. The, the, I mean, what is too small? It's a, a $50 million company. It's actually performed exceptionally well um, over a long period of time. We'd like to grow it. Um, yeah, a, a year ago, oh, it was a year or so ago, we looked at doing a share purchase plan. You know, WAM Active could easily be um, you know, 200, 250 million. Uh, and you know, we're looking at, I mean, we, we've had discussions at board level whether we you know, do another share purchase plan, um, whether we do an option issue, you know, all, all these things are on the table. So we'd like to continue to grow it. You know, we think it is a, um, it's, it's a, a logical strategy um, you know, you're buying. Uh, it, it's it's more. It's on the trading side. Um, you know, so we're we're looking at that. It, it's interesting on that trading side. A few people have been talking about like, does it make sense that we actually? You know, everyone would be aware that we like buying other LICs. You know, with with our cash, if we've got excess cash, then we're happy to. You know, for something that's worth a dollar, we're happy to pay eighty cents. Um, and you know, try to sell them when they're worth a dollar again, or, or or be part of the catalyst to get that dollar back. Uh, and one of the things that you know, a few people have mentioned to us, and we've been um, you know, floating the idea of, is whether we whether we have that as a standalone vehicle, um, you know, which which just invests in other uh, LICs. So it's a more pure play, uh, and then we don't necessarily do it in the in WAM Capital and WAM Active, you know, in WAM Capital and WAM Active on the trading side, we just look at, you know, those trading, you know, more of those uh, trading opportunities. So um, if anyone's got any thoughts, you know, please email us in or, or feed us back. We, hey, look, we might even send a, a survey out and, um, you know, collect people's our feedback. So, uh, yeah, so to me, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a good strategy. It's performing. It's small, um, you know. We still, sh you know, it still gets the, the same amount of love as as the larger ones, you know, from our perspective. So it makes sense at this point in time. Thank you, Jeff. We've we've also had a question on the difference between WAM Capital, WAM Research, and WAM Active. If you could just briefly cover on that. Okay. The, the, the simplest way is well. I mean, first of all. In terms of the investment philosophy, it's sitting cash until we can find you know, undervalued growth companies, you know, companies that are going to grow for a period of time, and then buy them when we can see a catalyst that's going to change the valuation. And, and those catalysts could be, yeah, you know, could we could be doing research on the company. We talk to a competitor, we or some other people in the industry. We're pretty convinced there's going to be an earnings upgrade or. Yeah, you know, there'll be some positive catalyst that we believe will change the market's view of that stock and the share price will go up. So that's what we're focusing on doing. Uh, and, and that is really, um, and, and we call that really our res research-driven uh, investment strategy. Um, and that's what WAM Capital started as doing. But as time, when we were doing that, what happened is, at various points in time, we had you know, 30, 40, 50, 60% of the portfolio in cash. Uh, and because we operate in the market and there's always you know, opportunities, you know, whether it's an IPO or a placement or a block of stock at a discount um, or some of the crazy stuff we've seen in the last you know, week or so in the US, you know, there's, always, there's always opportunities to, you know, to make money. And that's not on a, from a research side, but from a pure trading Perspective, and that could be, it could be a place, you know, that that we get access to that retail investors don't, and we we know we can pick up three or four percent. It could be, um, you know, an IPO. It could be, you know, a broker selling down a line of stock. Um, it could be a stock that doesn't rate, but we're pretty um, sure there'll be some, you know, there'll be a short term, you know, trading opportunity to make money. So it's all those other opportunities that aren't research based. Uh, and that is, and we call that, you know, the trading part of the portfolio. So effectively, what WAM Capital is, if you buy a share, share in WAM Capital, you get half of its research and half of its trading. And then the simplest way is 
if you owned one share in WAM, and what WAM research is, is that is the research, the pure play on the research um, investments. And what WAM Active is, is the pure play on the trading part um, of, of our investment um, you know, f- philosophy. And so if you own one share in WAM research and one share in uh, WAM Active, in theory, that gives, that gives you exactly the same uh, end result as owning two shares in WAM Capital. So that's um, that, that's that's how it fits in. And where does where then where microcap is really, you know, looking at the same opportunities, but on a a much you know on on the at the smaller end, you know, the the, um, the microcap end of the market. Thanks for that clarification, Jeff. We've also had a, a, a few of those a few questions on the on the recent events you mentioned. Um, in the US, particularly around uh, recent volatility and GameStop, etc. Oscar, do you want to just um, give your 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 take on that? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been crazy, really. It's unprecedented. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess fundamental. I guess my view on it, and I'm here to tend to hear what the other guys think, is fundamentals will always win at, at some point. And um, you know, it was clearly the stocks that have. Um, you know, gone up quite considerably of their own structural issues. So I guess the interesting thing, what we've seen in the Australian market over, over the past week or two is some of those the heavily shorted companies. I gave an example of Ingham's, which we quite like going to reporting sets, have actually had a bounce um, as I guess some people who might be short the stock or betting on its demise, think the share price will go down, are actually covering their shorts. Um, and buying the stock in anticipation of maybe being forced to. Um, so it will be a fascinating reporting season in Australia from that perspective. Of, like, if we get a stock like, say, Ingham's right, um, it'll be fascinating to see how the share price responds because, as I said before, it's, it's around uh, 10% of the register is short. I mean, Tobias and Sam, do you, know, I don't know, you guys have sort of anything to add? Yeah, so I think one of the flow-on effects you, you would have read, um, you know, a lot of the hedge funds out there with large short positions, they are very nervous because it's not the downside isn't losing money on the trade. It's actually potentially, um, you know, having to close down their business. We've actually seen a few high-profile names that's, uh, you know, effectively had to be rescued. Um, so it does change the game a bit. You know, with social media, um, a lot of these um, messages, so a lot of these movements can become very viral very quickly. So that's obviously something um, that we think about. And um, and, and luckily, we, we haven't had any exposure um, obviously, but um, you know, hopefully that works in our favour with something like Ingham. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, the interesting thing is, you know, we are operating in a market, so there's always something new. There's always you know, interesting opportunities for for the, those that well have hair or enough grey hair. You know, back in in 1987, there was a thing called portfolio insurance where you could insure your portfolio, and it, and part of the theory was that led to the 87 crash. You know, so. All these things tend to provide opportunities. It's um, it, it's really from my from my perspective, it's just being aware. Uh, and one of the one of the books I remember enjoying you know, reading was what the smartest guys in the street. Um, you know, there's everyone has these models. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like simple investing. Yeah, you don't have these models. You, know, you go and meet management. You understand how the the company makes money, and you work out what a fair value is, and you find a a, a catalyst to change the valuation for the company. And the catalyst for us could be, you know, it could be a significant short on the stock, and and there's there's a new factor. Like all it all it does is bring a new factor to the market. I know there was, you know, quite a bit of volatility, and there's a bit of a hiccup, and there's a bit of a risk off trade. Yeah, and that could go on for a week or two. Um, in the end, is is it is it a problem? Uh, you know, with the system, I don't think it is. Um, does it provide opportunities for smart investors? And, and I think, in the end, all it does is does provide opportunities. Uh, because when everyone's running in one direction, you, you usually find there's an opportunity somewhere there. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah, incredibly. Yeah, bizarre how it's all occurred. <laughs> um, and and we, and it's, the the great thing is, you know, is as investors, you know, it's something for us to study and to learn and to work out how we can benefit from it. That's sort of my thoughts, James. 
Thank you, everyone. The next question is from Michael. And Sam, I'll direct it to you. How are Australian companies positioned to take advantage of the shift to cloud computing? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Michael and James. Um, cloud computing is a long-term structural growth thematic and it's playing out in a number of listed businesses. We actually own some shares in Sovereign Cloud, the ticker is SOV. Um, and if you have a look at some of their presentations, you'll see that there is a massive um, ramp up in a demand for cloud services. So how are companies positioned to take advantage of that? Effectively, corporates and governments can variableize their cost base or reduce their costs by taking on these cloud services. And that's what's really driving um, the, the spike in, in demand for cloud services. So uh, we really like Sovereign Cloud. We have it in the portfolio. Um, other companies that we keep an eye on include NextDC, Megaport, and Data3, but we're very aware of the, um, the growth thematic in cloud. Excellent. The next question is uh, from George. Uh, to, Tobias, it's for you on e-commerce. Have, the, have they had their run? Yeah, so the I mean the long term thematic is still there. We're strong, we're still strong believers of it. In with the hindsight's twenty twenty, and in hindsight, the short term valuation got ahead of itself. So what we've done in the portfolio, you know, Oscar sort of mentioned it earlier during that September period. Period, we actually reduced quite a bit of our exposure. We've become a lot more selective in which e-commerce companies uh, we would invest in. Um, so, for example, Templar Webster is one that we still like. They are the leader. Um, in homewares and furnitures, you know, you know, stat, um, so Wayfair, for example, does $13 billion of sales in the U.S. And so there's no reason why, you know, Australia being 10% of the U.S. market size that they come to over time, um, you know, $1.3 billion of revenue. But however, the, the journey to getting there is, you know, sort of three to five years. Um, but, you know, sometimes in the short-term valuation could get ahead and, and or it could come back. And that's sort of when we come in and try to buy um, buy buy Templin Webster, for example, when we think it's being oversold and, and take profit when we think it's being overbought. Um, a number of shareholders have, have asked me about a Mason, the takeover bid from Mason, uh, and, you know, thinking that we were buying oper an operating business. You know, it's just... The and, and effectively, we, we were taking no risk on their operating business. The only way our takeover bid was going to go forward was once it was agreed that all the operating business had been sold. So, effectively, um, you know, from our perspective, there's about 70 cents of cash that's going to be given back to shareholders, and then the company was going to be you know, wound up. Uh, and the exciting part from us was the fact that, you know, a, of that 70 cents, a significant part of it was going to be paid back to shareholders as a fully frank dividend. Uh, and, you know, so it was just a, a very logical play for us. Um, you know, so, yeah, we're not getting into the telephony business. Um, you know, what the business we're in is, you know, really investing for our shareholders and, and getting what we believe is a good return. If some of that is fully franked, then we can pass that on to uh, investors as fully franked dividends, then that's that's a significant bonus. And with a Mason, if effectively 50% of the people uh, accept the takeover bid, you know, then I think we get something like 50, the ability to pay a $50 million fully franked dividend, which what it does do is allow the profit reserve we've got, uh, it, it allows us to pay that out as fully franked dividends over time. Do you want to cover off CIE and CLF in a similar fashion to, to AYS? Yeah, I mean, they're exactly the same, you know, where they, you know, where, where I mean, combined we, I think both of them we made a little over, I think it was 18 point, well, at, at, as of this point in time, we've made about $18.6 million. So for shareholders, um, and uh, which, which actually is, you know, actually one, one and a bit times, you know, the annual management fee. So, um, you know, so it, they've been, they've been you know, positive results for us. 
So this one's from Melissa. What have been some of the most notable contributors and detractors in recent period? Thanks, Melissa, for your question. Um, if I look at WAM Capital, um, let's start with the, um, the contributors. I'd say um, basically that yeah, the, the, the e-commerce space in that first quarter in the September quarter of um, just, just been really helped us. Um, number of the names, I think Redbubble was our best stock, but we actually sold out of Redbubble back in October. Uh, Temple and Webster was also a very good stock. Adairs is another one. So we did very well out of um, retail and e-commerce. Um, another couple, we, we participated in the Newix IPO. That was very good for us. Um, and a number of sort of construction companies such as Fletcher Building that Sam mentioned previously and Mars Group that Tobias talked about. Plenty of detractors, um, never never short on them really. I talked about Tyro earlier. That was um, that was one. Um, got hurt in, on AMA in in, in January. Um, I'm trying to think of us. Oh, we just got hurt yesterday by Wally Parsons. Good old Wally. They never cease to <laughs> amaze us. Um, that was uh, they're the ones that come to mind really. But I would say actually, the, what really did hurt us actually it wasn't necessarily. It was a funny it's a funny market at the moment because. Sometimes our investment process, as Jeff talked about, we're looking largely for stocks that um, fulfil our research process for companies that upgrade earnings. Now, there's plenty of stocks upgrading earnings at the moment, but a lot of them are COVID beneficiaries. So um, as I talked about before, so retail, agriculture, healthcare. So we actually owned a lot of those companies. They are very, very well for us up to the, the point in time when the vaccine was announced back in early November. Now, those companies have continued to perform well but their, their share prices have been sold off. A great example of that was Elders. Um, it was $12.50, goes into the result. It upgraded earnings by 15%. And I think it, about a week later, it was $9.80. Um, so that's an example of sort of what hurt us in November. Now, we still own Elders um, and a number of these stocks, but um, at a lower weighting than what we previously had. Thanks very much, Oscar. And thanks to all shareholders who've taken part in the call and sent in their questions. If you have any questions at any point in time, please don't hesitate to get in touch via phone or email. Um, and please join us for, for WAM Global on Thursday at 4 p.m. and WAM Leaders Friday at 11.30 a.m. Jeff, I'll pass back to you to close. Look, thanks. Thanks, James. And you know, thanks, Oscar, uh, Tobias and Sam. Um, look, thanks for all your you know, sterling work over a period that's been very challenging. You know, I think challenging for everyone. Um, you know, as we've continually said, you know, this is your your company, so please, any ideas, um, feedback, communication, uh, you know, please come back to us. I know a shareholder you know, was talking about our, our monthly updates. You know, we were using Blue Ink. Yeah, they, they were saying it's very difficult to read. Please, you know, can you try black ink? So we changed the black ink, and um, you know, it, if you, know, you own the company, yeah, um, you know, so yeah, you know, please give us any feedback you can. Yeah, you know, obviously, shareholder engagement. We're very, um, we're very, um, you know, we want to be proactive in that area. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, yeah, you know, let's let's hope that the next twelve months isn't as challenging as the last twelve months. Um, and see you, see you all soon. Thanks.